Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Taylor, big run. He's at the 40, 35, 30, 20, and he's inside the red zone. He's trekked down from behind, down to the 19-yard line. We're talking Colts and recapping the action. 10, the 5, a touchdown for the Colts. How about it? Indianapolis scores on a block punt. Settles in, floats it downfield, and it is picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it. Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Hey, good evening and welcome to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Good to be with you tonight. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 7 p.m. tonight on a Monday night ahead of the Pacers' in-season playoff game against the Celtics at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And in just a few minutes, we'll be joined by Colts head coach, Shane Steichen, he's on his way down to the studio to recap the Colts' win in Nashville. And we'll also have plenty of time later on, starting in segment two, to hear from Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wright as they join me later on in the program. And throughout the show, as always, we're taking your social media questions. Get those in tonight and every Monday night on X using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Well, the Colts are riding high after their 31-28 overtime win on Sunday over the Titans. The Colts have won four straight and swept the Titans both for the first time since 2018, and their 7-5 record has them in position for a wild-card playoff spot with five games to go. The game was absolutely nuts, and it featured just about everything. Big plays by both offenses, blocked punts, Special teams touchdowns, a two-point conversion, returned 99 yards for a score, and a play where a quarterback and a safety took turns fumbling the ball back to each other. The Colts got down early. They were down by two scores, trailing 17-7 to in the second quarter, but they were able to pull within four points at intermission with two Matt Gay field goals. And then on the first drive of the second half, the Colts marched 19 plays, 70 yards, but stalled out in the red zone, and they had to settle for another Matt Gay short field goal that pulled the Colts within one at 17-16. to The Titans went three and out on their first two drives of the third quarter, and on their second punt of the second half, the Colts blocked a Ryan Stonehouse punt with Nick Cross, and then linebacker Grant Stewart scooped it up and ran it in 18 yards for his first career touchdown, and the Colts had their first lead of the game at that point, 22-17. to But the Colts then went for two and tried an interior screen pass to running back Zach Moss, but the ball tipped off of Moss's fingers, then bounced straight to Tennessee safety Amani Hooker, who ran it back 99 yards for two points for the Titans. The Colts then kicked off to Tennessee, and after a four-play drive, the Titans had to punt once more. And again, it was the Colts' special teams unit rising when Tony Brown rushed Stonehouse so quickly that he just took the Titans' punter out, forcing a fumble instead of a block. The Colts recovered the loose ball inside the 10-yard line, setting up goal to go, but the Colts couldn't find the end zone, settling for the fourth Matt Gay field goal of the game to go up 25-19. Then on the very next drive, the Titans went 11 plays and 80 yards and found the end zone with DeAndre Hopkins and his touchdown from Will Levis. But without Stonehouse in the game, who also acts as the team's placeholder, Nick Folk missed the go-ahead PAT out of the hold of backup quarterback Ryan Tannehill. So the game was still tied at 25, and both teams would eventually head to overtime. The Titans got the ball first in overtime and kicked a 46-yard field goal after a 10-play drive. Then the Colts got the ball back with 419 on the clock, and they had to either tie the game or score a touchdown. It took the Colts only five plays to find the end zone for the walk-off winner. It was set up 
up by a 55-yard chunk pass from Gardner Minshew to Alec Pierce down the left sideline that got the Colts down to the four-yard line. Then two plays later, Minshew found Michael Pittman Jr. in the back of the end zone for the game-winning touchdown, and it was Pierce and Pittman, the heroes on offense. They each went over 100 yards receiving, and for Pierce, it was his first 100-yard game of his career. The special teams accounted for 10 points for the Colts on a day when the offense had a hard time winning in situational football. The Colts were just 1-for-5 in the red zone and 3-for-14 on third down. The defense showed up again in the pass rush, notching six more sacks on Will Levis, including two from Samson Ebicom and Quiddy Pay, and that means the Colts have now racked up 21 sacks during their four-game winning streak. It all adds up to the Colts being 7-5 and five with five games to go, and it was another nail-biter for the Colts. Their last three wins have been decided by seven points or less, and they're now 5-2 and two in one-score games this season, including two overtime wins after going 4-6-1 and one in one-score games last season. Again, coming up on segment two tonight, we'll be joined by Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Get their thoughts on the win over the Titans. And we're also taking your social media questions later in the show tonight. Again, hashtag Colts Roundtable to do that. But as promised, it's now time to lead off the program with our weekly chat with the head coach of the Colts, Shane Steichen, as he's made his way in the studio here, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Coach, congratulations on the win. Four in a row now for the Colts. What did you make of the resiliency from the team and the contributions you got from all three phases to get the win? Yeah, no, it was great. Obviously, a great team win. Uh, just the fight that those guys bring every single week uh, to Sundays is awesome to see. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the score is, you keep fighting till the end. And uh, obviously found a way there at the end. Uh, great job by the defense, you know, really holding to that field goal. And then yep. offensively uh, going down and hitting that touchdown to Pitt to win it. Uh, and then the special teams, I mean, to get the two block punts uh, was phenomenal. Yeah, I know you talked about it after the game, but I mean, whatever you want to call it, the the wild scale, um, the insanity scale, the the, the block punts, the two point returns, the multiple reviews, overtime kickers are punting. The game had everything. Where where does that game rank for you in terms of the the unpredictability of it? Wildness. It's probably <laughs> in my recent memory number one. Uh, it had everything to it. Uh, it was a roller coaster of a football game. Um, I'm sure the fans loved watching it. Probably gave uh, some people some. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what the word is, but uh, yeah, people some heartburn. Probably, yeah, some heartburn. There you go. Uh, but uh, you know what? Found a way to win it there at the end, uh, which was the uh, obviously the key stat for us. Yeah, the the stock and peps at AC around Central Indiana went up a little bit there. Um, you talked about the special teams, Brian Mason. How much of a, a tip of the cap does he deserve? I mean, at Notre Dame last year, when he was the special teams coordinator there, the Irish blocked at least one punt. And five consecutive games. They had seven total in 2022. And as you said, the Colts essentially had two yesterday. How rewarding of a day was it for him uh, in his first year here with the Colts? Uh, it was huge, obviously. Uh, you know, huge credit to him uh, and the scheme that he had up uh, in that game was awesome. Um, but, you know, he works his tail off. Um, you know, had a, a chance to interview a whole bunch of guys for that spot. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the way his mind worked and how fast he processed the game and saw it. Uh, is awesome and, you know, very fortunate to have him here on the staff. You know, the, the guys who show out for you consistently on special teams, you got a ton of them, right? Trevor Dinbo, uh, Tony Brown, Grant Stewart, uh, Shaguna Luby, Nick Cross. I mean, I know I'm missing some guys there, but how serious do those guys take their craft as they try to turn the, 
the tide for the Colts every week. Yeah, no, I think that's big. I think it's those guys understanding their role, you know, that, you know, they are a special teams player with obviously value uh, on the defensive side of the ball too. But, you know, Tony Brown um, and Grant Stewart mm-hmm. um, do a heck of a job in a Luby. Uh, and like you said, Denbo, all those guys know their role, and they take it very seriously on special teams. And obviously it showed up. You know, Nick Cross is another one of those guys, obviously, that does a heck of a job for us on special teams. And, you know, he gets the block punt. Tony Brown gets one. Uh, and Grant Stewart just plays, you know, his tail off every Sunday on special teams. So, you know, credit to those yeah. guys uh, preparing every week. That's Shane Steichen with us tonight on Colts Roundtable Live. You had two 100-yard receivers in the game, Michael Pittman Jr., and Alec Pierce for Pittman. It was his ninth game with at least eight catches for Pierce, his first 100-yard receiving game. Um, let's talk about Pittman first. How have you seen him grow throughout the course of the season and become and kind of develop into the unquestionable go-to target on this team? I just think his consistency that he you know goes about his business with, uh, I've said this a few times about him, but the way he works uh, in the meeting rooms and on the practice field, uh, the way he's getting in and out of his breaks um, on game day and just his strong hands and his, his catch radius has been awesome to see. And, uh, you know, when we need to play, you know, he makes it for us. And then, you know, obviously Alec having his, you know, 100-yard game, uh, obviously got some, you know, opportunities there in that game to hit some deep shots to him um, that we took advantage of there and him making the play and just great throws by Gardner, great protection by the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, just really good to see overall. All right, well, let's go to the mailbag. A few questions here for uh, head coach Shane Steichen tonight from the fans. Get him in using hashtag Colts Roundtable on X. You just kind of talked about it, the confidence there with uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Nick is asking, what is the confidence that you see in Pittman right now compared to when you, you first started working with him back in training camp? Well, I think, uh, he, you know, he's just growing every single day, and his confidence is at an all-time high right now, as it should be. You know, he's going out and making plays, and Gardner's delivering him the ball, uh, and the offensive line's blocking for him uh, really well. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's making those strong, contested catches. Obviously, to start that, uh, you know, overtime, I think we had 4.02 left in the game. Uh, we got the ball back, and, uh, you know, we started off and we threw him a little spot route right there, and he had a linebacker right there and another corner yeah. safety right there. Just a strong catch to yes. start mm-hmm. that drive was huge. Um, and then, obviously, the next play, then we get the defensive holding on him, and then we hit the big one to Alec, and then, you know, then you hit the big one, you know, to win the game to him. <laughs> right. Uh, was huge, but uh, his growth uh, has been great to see this year. All right, let's stay right there. This question is uh, in regards to that touchdown catch by Pittman to seal the win. Uh, Chad is asking, Matt Ryan on the broadcast talked about how when the secondary passes off receivers – um, that both receivers should then run the same route, both cut in or both cut out. Well, what does he mean by that, and did you draw that up, or was that instinctual by Pittman on the game winner? Yeah, no, it's something you know that they had showed on tape, uh, you know, passing routes off, um, and uh, you know, Jim Bob saw it on tape down there that they would do that, and uh, that's a concept that we've had in our system, you know, for a long time. Shoot, Peyton Manning had that concept in the system when he was playing here in Indy, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it worked out great. Obviously, they passed it off, and you know Pitt wrapped around it, and the inside guy took Alec, and then you have natural le- natural leverage to throw that back line right there to Pittman. So it worked yeah. out great. Nailed it too from Gardner Minshew. Okay, Mike is asking how important are the shots to Pierce for the offense, even if we don't hit him to open up other things. Yeah, no, they're big. Obviously, you know he's a guy with speed uh, that you can you know go vertical and, and catch those big home run balls. Um, but it does. It, it sometimes it, it might soften up a defense, so you can get the underneath stuff as well. Um, but it's awesome to have him as a deep threat. All right, a few more. Wendell is up next. Uh, can we expect Grover Stewart to come back right into the starting lineup, or will he 
need a ramp up after six weeks out of the lineup. He'll be ready to go. He'll, he'll be, be. Yeah, he'll be ready to roll. <laughs> Grover will be chomping at the bit. Uh, Andy's up next. What is your assessment of Gardner Minshew in crunch time this season, and how much poise does he show in those big moments? Yeah, no, he's done a heck of a job for us. Obviously, he had the uh, you know the the game winning drive against Baltimore, you know, in Baltimore, uh, and then to have this one as well uh, just shows you know the preparation that he puts into it. Uh, the guy's going out and executing, uh, him delivering it on time and rhythm in those you know clutch situations. It's been awesome to see from him. All right, last one with head coach Shane Steichen uh, from the fans. This is coming from Jeff. Why did we see Nick Cross get some more run on defense this week, and what does he add to our secondary that he can capitalize on? Yeah, no, it was just some of the packages that Gus had up uh, this week, um, but he's he's progressing and growing every week, and uh, we like where he's at uh, from a defensive standpoint, and so he's getting some more reps there. Yep, that's Shane Steichen on a Colts Roundtable Live Monday night here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. How about you? I mean, you seem to be – in a good place, enjoying yourself, but you also know kind of how this process works. Not too high, not too low, right? Yeah, no, it's it's good to enjoy, you know, victories, but you gotta you gotta put them, you know, <laughs> behind you because you gotta get ready for the next one. So we're on to Cincinnati. Now. Indeed, I've heard that before. That's Shane Steichen tonight, Coach. Congratulations on another win. Have a great week of practice and uh, good luck in Cincinnati. All right, thank you. That's Shane Steichen on Colts Roundtable Live tonight, 93.5-1075. The Fan, that conversation always brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Save at home on monthly bills when you can serve water and energy. For money-saving tips, visit citizensenergygroup.com. Also, Colts fans, sack game day cravings with the $10 Colts meal deal, complete with the All-American Cheeseburger Four boneless wings and a half order of tots. It's only available at Buffalo Wild Wings. Available at select Indianapolis Buffalo Wild Wings locations and additional terms apply. we got a lot to get into tonight again with you until 7 o'clock tonight. When we come back, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights join the show for their big takeaways on the Colts' win over the Tennessee Titans on the tail of the tape. And then on segment three, we'll talk about the big days from Pittman, Pierce, and the special teams and why those things matter so much for the Colts with five games left. So a very busy show tonight per usual with you until 7 o'clock tonight. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in just a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome back. This is Colts Roundtable Live, presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. You can find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. With you until 7 o'clock tonight before the Pacers' in-season playoff game. Uh, they host the Celtics tonight at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Colts Roundtable Live is also brought to you by Hotbox Pizza. When the Colts score, you score. Check out your favorite Hotbox location for 50% off your entire order every Monday of this season with promo code Colts. We're back here on segment number two on Colts Roundtable Live. Welcoming in now on a victory Monday, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Fellas, welcome to the show tonight. Joe, how are you, sir? Take us through that overtime in your living room. Set the scene for us. Were you were you pacing the floor like everybody else uh, during overtime, trying to make sense of all the wackiness down in Nashville yesterday? I mean, I just tell you, Matt, that was as wild as game as I can remember watching, and I am just <laughs> awful thankful we came out on top. I tell you what, you wake up today, an overtime victory over your division rival, four-game winning streak. You know who has one of those in the AFC? I'll read you the list. Indianapolis Colts. And that's the end of the list. And uh, it, it, it's just a great feeling. I know we'll get into the tape, but 
man, that was just a wild game. I felt like with all the craziness that happened, the game didn't even really start until Cross blocks that punt at the end of the third quarter. And uh, I, I know we'll get into it, but, man, that was a fun one to be a part of. Indeed. Rick, how you doing? How's that pacemaker? Or, or do you need hey, a new that, pacemaker? <laughs> I don't have one yet. Now, but, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, if we, if we keep playing like this, I'm telling you, and they get bigger every week, we may have to install one, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I just it, it it just was fun though. I mean, really and truly. And Joe's right. I mean, you just it just seemed like one scenario outdid another, one play outdid another. And you know, going back over the film, the one that I kind of I kind of brushed over, but it was really the game is Quiddy's. I you know strip fumble, whatever you want to call it, because you know if that doesn't happen. They're five yards from field goal range with about 20 mm-hmm. seconds to go. Yeah. And oh, yeah. that big play right there, you know, the, the and the, obviously the ruling, which is accurate, which you can't, you can't advance that fumble. What is it, the last two minutes or fourth quarter or whatever. But that made that, that created that uh, second and 17 and got them out of field goal range or we don't get to the overtime. Yeah, absolutely insane. You're exactly right. So many things you can point to that led to the Colts uh, oh. getting that win and uh it's it's really fascinating right now the Colts played in so many close games last year they were on the wrong end of a lot of bad breaks this year they're five and two in one score games and two of those wins are in overtime the Colts have won two games in overtime in the same season for the first time since 1995 all right well let's lead off the segment like we normally do again Rick and Joe are here uh they have both examined the game film from Sunday so let's roll it out it's time now for the tale of the tape Baby, raise in hell today, okay? Let's let it go, fellas. Bang, bang, play. Bang, bang. Keep the hammer down, all right? Keep talking to one another, man, and clean it up. That's all. Get ready, get ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, tale of the tape time here on Colts Roundtable Live. As we said, the Colts won their fourth straight game. They're 7-5, and five, and the game was nuts. We saw explosive touchdowns. We had two block punts, a special teams touchdown. We had a two-point conversion, returned 99 yards for a score. Uh, we had a play where a quarterback and a safety took turns fumbling the ball back to one another. The game goes into overtime, and it all ended with a Colts walk-off field goal, or I should say a walk-off touchdown by Michael Pittman Jr. as the Colts got the ball in overtime, needing a field goal, and they won up the Titans with that touchdown. So, Joe, what else stood out to you on your tail of the tape after the Week 13 win for the Colts? Yeah, well, going in, Matt, this game really concerned me just because you're playing a division rival, the second game of the season, a well-coached ball club and franchise. You knew it was going to be a battle for 60 minutes and end up taking 68, but when you think about there's two touchdowns in the first three minutes, the quarterback throws a pick and gets a fumble on the same play. And, I mean, those aren't even in the top five moments of the game. <laughs> I, I, I really did feel like the game started with that block punt. And, man, what a great day to be special teams coach uh, Brian Mason for the Colts because two block punts. And, and I love the one, you know, when we just we sprinted from the gunner position and we went in there. If you remember, New England ran that play early in the NFL, and I was thinking, That's man, right. I had not seen that play yet and was wondering when other teams were going to start copying it. But that was just a great play by Tony Brown, just a great way to tee it up. And you know what I love, though, again, 
we finished the game in the fourth quarter in overtime. And I'm telling you, Matt, I'm starting to think about our defensive line that when the game gets in the balance, like I have this faith that they're going to close it out. And I'm not saying Mathis and Freeney are there and we know that they're not. But I got that same type of feeling when I played with those guys that, hey, Tennessee, first and 10 on our 47, like Coach mentioned, needing 10 yards to get a field goal. And what happened? Our D-line makes a play. And when we get Dio in there, and Buckner, and I love what we're doing defensively. We get those really wide threes, four eyes, and then you got Quiddy and Ebucom. I'm telling you what, those guys are getting confidence. They're gaining confidence together. And our front four, something we've talked about you know, for four or five years, is really becoming a staple. And then I think offensively, Pierce, obviously, big day. We'll get into it. And Pittman, another 10-catch performance. But you got to give credit to Minshew. Minshew threw the ball 42 times for 300 yards. And I tell you what. Minshew's swag, Minshew's attitude, Minshew not acting like a backup, like a starter, that's what allows you to come in there, down three in overtime, backed up, and just chuck it for 60 yards to Pierce and say, we got this, boys. I'm tired of being in Nashville. Let's get on the plane and go home. And can't, can't give you enough credit to him. I thought that offensive line, their defensive line really got after us. You know, we weren't able to run the ball, just ran it. You know, 2.4 in defensive line, we still couldn't stop the run. But thank goodness we got Big Grover coming back next week. So th those are kind of my overall thoughts. I know we'll dig into a little bit more. But bottom line, you won a game against a division rival when really it looked like about three different times in the game it was going to get away from you. And that's a credit to the belief of the coaching staff, the players. That's a credit to the culture that the veterans and this new coaching staff has brought in. Uh, just can't say enough about the expectation and all that stuff. We're expecting to win these games, and we're going out, we're winning them, closing it out. And that's something we haven't seen for a long time around here. So I couldn't be more fired up about that. Yeah, as the great announcer Jack Buck once said, I can't believe what I've just seen. I mean, it was 68 minutes of bedlam. You know, and in, when I do future shows and people ask me, have you ever seen this before? I'm going to be, answer, I'm going to be able to answer this. <laughs> yes, in December 23 in Nashville. You know, after the game, I felt like I felt good exhaustion, almost similar to when I used to coach, almost numb. And I think the win to me was a testament to Coach Steichen, and a band of brothers who really, in this one, just simply refused to lose. I mean, they could have folded many times, but they did not. And it's a little bit what Joe said. This version of the Horseshoes seems to find a way to win games, not a way to lose games. The game ball goes directly to special teams. I mean, Coach Mason and company, I mean, we slaughtered them. And it, it, it did. The game started at the end of the third quarter the two block punts or whatever you wanted to call them, they created 10 points. Obviously, the injury, which is, you know, was sad, but it also affected the missed extra point. Yeah. No question about it. I looked at it close today. Uh, what's his name? Tannehill was really tentative. And then, you know, a couple good returns, including the one after they went right down and scored on us. And Mac brought that thing out to the 50, which was kind of an answer to the, that. Mm -hmm. But it just was a great, great effort. Offensive balls, you know, belong to Pierce, Pittman, and Minshew. Um, you know, the Titans really shut down the run. They played tough in the red zone, which we expected. They actually blitzed very effectively. But they gave up the bombs to Alex, and they couldn't stop the moving chains ability of Pittman inside the numbers. I'm, I'm begging for it, and finally we get it to him in that red zone for a touchdown. You know, and, and Pierce finally gave us the two plays that we drafted him for. 
And Pittman, I have to laugh. I think Pittman is like an all-pro, like a Hall of Fame tight end in a wide receiver's number. I mean, this guy can just kill it inside. And people want to criticize Minshew. I'm totally with Joe. And quarterbacks are never perfect. But when that game was on the line, I mean, he threw a dime. He threw over 300 yards. He's 14th in the league in QBR, and we're 7-5 and five with him. So please yeah. give him some luck, love, okay? This guy's so much better than people are giving him credit for, and I've been saying him week after week. And then defensive ball, you know, the front played good, but Ebukon and Pei really get the game ball. But again, they made plays, and they're consistently now making plays strip sacks and critical plays that are literally winning us a game. The defense, again, atrocious versus the run, 177. But key sacks change the game. And, they're and again, they're like turnovers. They're erasers. Mm -hmm. They make the difference. I, I think Ebicom is really becoming a force off the blind side. I mean, you know, you look at him now. He has an array. He's shown us now a toolkit of moves. And he's showing it every Sunday. He is a weapon. Quiddy's growing. You know, he's getting his effort sacks, which he always did. But the strip fumble was a, you know, what we what we call a hump in the business. I mean, he took that tackle and took him and threw him and came back inside and got his hand on the ball. And you know, that was that was with seconds to go in the fourth quarter. So you know, we now have eight strip sacks, which leads the league. And really, the Colts used a bare front for three steps. Hallelujah. Hopefully, <laughs> and hopefully, Grover's return will stop the bleeding. I also thought a shout-out should go to Baker. I thought Baker really has come back from that, you know, that benching and mm -hmm. has played his tail off. You know, I think in, a, in closing, a win like this in the emergence of the deep ball to Alex. Remember, we've been playing this game on a 10-yard field. That totally changes things now, and I think that can have a terrific effect going quarter. You know, just the type of win, getting the throwing the ball deep. This team has the wind at its back, and yeah. as one of my friends says, it's on to Cincinnati. Yeah, your guy right there getting ready for the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> week 14. Here we come. Hey, Colts fans, remember the weather authorities are Fox 59 and CBS 4. Indiana's largest and weather rate certified most accurate weather. Also, Colts Roundtable Live tonight is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, a proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. All right, that's the tale of the tape. Again, Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights tonight. They're burning reactions after the Colts improved to 7-5. and five. They sweep the Titans and win their fourth straight game for the first time in five years. When we come back, we're going to get out the candy and the popcorn because we've got a uh, a movie-themed segment coming up next. We'll talk about three movie titles that best fit the Colts from Sunday and where they're at with five games to go. That's coming up next. Stay with us. This is Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. From the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Welcome back again. This is Colts Roundtable Live. We're presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Always proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Back once more with Rick Venturi, Joe Wright. I'm Matt Taylor. Colts are 7-5, and five, and as we teased, we always like to kind of put things into context on this third segment of the show 
like we talked about, the Colts are they're a thrilling team right now. They're seven to five. They're on a four game winning streak. They've had some blockbuster moments so far, including yesterday's big overtime win in Nashville. So let's talk about where the Colts are at with five games to go in relation to some movie titles. You guys ready for this one? This is kind of a stretch, but let's have some fun here. Rick, I'm fired I know, I know, up. I am excited. Yeah, I know you're a movie guy, Joe. What about you, Rick? I know you like the classics. Oh, I'm a, oh, I am a movie guy. Absolutely. I hope I'm hoping to go see Napoleon with Miss Sherry later this week. If Fantastic. We yeah. I'm in it. Yeah. No. 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 And uh, and Oppenheimer. I, I I do like a little bit of the uh, you know historical concepts, but I tell you, my 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 latest favorite has been Maverick. I, I just think the uh, the Top Gun series uh-huh. is phenomenal. That came out a couple years ago. I think that's a blockbuster, right in line with. The Colts' uh, big plays in overtime yesterday. So <laughs> let's go with – you brought this up after the game with Alec Pierce, Rick. So I, I have to give you full credit for this one. Alec Pierce is the return of the Jedi, right? The return of the Jedi yeah. came out in 1983, and I've never seen Star Wars. All right, don't at me, okay? I, I've never seen it. I've never really got into it. I don't understand it. There's prequels. There's – the the, or, the order of the movies is just backwards to me, but it, it uh, it's the third installment in the original Star Wars trilogy. I do know that. And uh, what an explosive return to the Colts offense there for Alec Pierce on Sunday. Going into the game, he only had 22 catches uh, in the first 11, but he finished the day in, in Nashville career high, 100 yards on three catches, had the 36-yard touchdown in the first quarter, then an overtime, maybe the biggest play of the game, the 55-yarder to set up the game-winning touchdown a couple of plays later. So, Rick, I got to give you full credit there on the return of the Jedi. How much did Alex, you know, production return to this offense? How much does that matter going forward starting in that Week 13 win? Oh, I think it can be absolutely huge. And, you know, the Jedi, now i got to tell you, my 51-year-old son, Jason, who's a very successful businessman, but his finished basement is all done <laughs> in Star Wars stuff. So that's part of our family. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with Alex. You know, when we drafted Alex, I, I was thrilled to death. I mean, he had run the 4-4-1. He is legitimately a fast guy. And I felt like we've, we're we going to have the guy that can take the top off of the defense. And, you know, as a rookie, he flashed. I mean, there was times that, you know, he looked fast. There were times he did get on top. I think he finished with a 14.5 yards per catch. You know, so there was really good numbers. And then the training camp just didn't go well. You know, all of a sudden he kind of disappeared. Um, I mean, for a while it looked like he was on a witness protection program, you know. And I think, you know, part of it uh, is Pittman is so reliable. You're going to get him a lot of volume, you know. And then and then Downs was coming on so quick in the slot, and he kind of became the forgotten man. But the problem with that is you end up playing the game, as I said before, on a 10- to 15-yard vertical field. And basically, teams close run, and they close the possession passes. So this was fantastic for him to come out and really give us what we drafted him for. This is what we drafted him for. And I think that the deep threat that he would give – and I think Minshew has to come out of there with confidence. And, you know, Shane, more importantly, will come out of there with some confidence that we can air that doggone thing out. And I think that changes everything. So – yeah, I think the return of the Jedi was huge. We don't get the win without it yesterday. Yeah. 
But number two, I I think looking forward, it has a big impact. What do you think there, Joe? You a Star Wars guy, and how does that relate to Alec Pierce here? (laughs) I have not seen a Star Wars ever, and my (laughs) in-laws don't like me for it, but all good. I'm I'm sticking to my guns there. Same thing, kind of too confusing. But uh, I I will say this, that, that that was a great game for Pierce, and you hope that that's just the beginning. And I think it's twofold, and Coach touched on it. It's Pierce's confidence, and you know, running that 50-yard route, having the 50-50 ball, go up and winning it. You know, it wasn't just one, but it was two. And, I mean, obviously the touchdown early on for 36, but that 55-yarder with the game in the balance, I mean, that was just awful impressive. Great ball and great tough catch. So hopefully he can come out of there with confidence, you know, for some of these contested catches to make him. But I agree, it can bring a whole new dynamic to this offense. And Tennessee's plan was we're going to blitz early and often and we're going to put guys in his face and force Minshew into mistakes. But guess what? Uh, Minshew came away with it at the end of the day, and he stood in there and made those couple throws. I love that. But I'm thinking, you know, we can run more hard play action, throw deep balls. And I think what I like out of these receivers is we're starting to get guys that can do some different things. You can put Pittman inside at the slot, and you can put Downs outside. You can put Pierce outside, and I think you know Downs isn't a, a true burner, but he gets open as good as anybody else on the team. And I think we got some different things conceptually we can work with in the passing game down the stretch. And I agree with Coach. It should give Shane a lot of confidence to throw up some more. So hats off to uh, my old teammate Reggie Wayne. You, you can see his influence with those guys in the route running, with the confidence, and those young receivers, they're growing up uh, right before our eyes. No doubt about it. Good point. Point right there on Reggie Wayne. That's Joe Wrights, Rick Venturi along. I'm Matt Taylor. Let's go to our, our second movie title here. I don't know if it's a classic, but I do know folks in their 40s and early 50s love this movie. How about House Party? Did you ever see this movie on on uh, like TBS growing up late at night? Oh, oh yeah. I, I saw it, and you're always like, man, why, why can't we have a party like that? Where were those parties <laughs> in high school? Like, in, And nobody I was around ever did anything fun like that, but it looked cool to watch it on TV. Yeah, the, the high school and the college parties depicted on, on TV and movies, they're never like the ones I went to. I do know that. But uh, this is where a kid decides to go to his friend plays house party. Neither of them really can predict what's in store for him for a wild night. But uh, the Colts threw a wild party on special teams. How about that? Having a block party on Titans punts. How about the special teams party, Rick Venturi? Matt Gay, four for four on field goals. Uh, but the Colts special teams leading to 10 points uh, for the game on a day where the offense really kind of struggled situationally on third down, red zone, and goal to go. Well, there's no question about it. And, you know, the special teams around here really for a long time has kind of been our signature, really. Mm-hmm. It's always been something – that we counted on yesterday, it was the Declaration of Independence. It wasn't just one signature. I mean, it was tremendous. I, I've i never seen one team slaughter another one like that and totally change the game, affect the game. I mean, I've never seen a team ever recover, and they almost did, but I've never seen a team recover from one block kick, much less two. And as you said, affect the extra point. And, you know, and I, I actually thought that, that, that a couple of returns were decent by by Mac, but I, I just think it was a great performance by Coach Mason and his guys. They were schooled. Um, you know, we had just talked about that, what Joe was talking about. We had just, when we played the Patriots, we talked about that in, the, uh, in our podcast about that off-the-edge, uh, run-off-the-edge block. And, man, old, 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 old Tony got going, and, man, he was accelerating. But – just a phenomenal performance. I mean, it's very seldom will you see a team, just a, a unit, just absolutely win a game for you. Agree. And to, to add on what Coach said, I thought that 
you know, just schematically was good. That first block punt, it was a five versus three overload, but we had all four guys really, really wide on the edge, and that confused Tennessee in their protection. And then, yeah, Brown, I mean, he was there right when it happened. And, Coach, you made a great point about the extra point because they make that, and they're up one now with five minutes left. That's a completely different story, and that clearly had an effect on that missed PAT. So, bottom line, it's complimentary football. And special teams gets talked about on these types of shows, eh, probably – seven percent of the time at best but it's an equal third of the game and the Colts dominated the kicking game yesterday and and I agree with complimentary football wins and they always say you know when you go on the road in December or you go in the playoffs you pack your defense you pack your kicking game and you pack your running game and those types of things show up when it matters to win football games so kudos to the Colts for really playing that complimentary football I mean Matt you, you think about it we were one of five in the red zone we were three of 14 on third down. We rushed for 2.4 a carry, and we won a road football game. And that's primarily because of the unit we're talking right now, and that's Mason and the special teams. Absolutely right there. Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights. This is Colts Roundtable Live. I'm Matt Taylor. Quickly, we got about one minute before we have to hit another break here, fellas. The go-to movie, because right now the go-to player for the Colts is Michael Pittman Jr. We chronicled it already. I mean, he had 11 catches for 105 yards, the game-winning touchdown. I mean, Sunday was his ninth game this season with at least eight catches, and he's recorded at least that many in five straight. So he's the go-to guy. I want to know, Joe, what's your go-to movie? Like your favorite movie or the movie that's on that you have to stop and watch at least a few minutes because it's that good despite you maybe seeing it, you know, 10, 15 times. I think the best rewatchability movie is Shawshank Redemption because anytime it comes on, I knew somebody was going to go there. Yeah, you you can always go there for five or seven minutes. But uh, I tell you what, Matt, when you talk about Pittman, you got to throw out Back to the Future because I know you love that. And you know what Pittman does? He just keeps doing it and doing it and doing it, game in and game out, just like you know the repetitiveness with. uh, Dr. Emmett Brown and your boy McFly. That's right. Marty has to go back in time, get the the sports almanac, and he has to do it over and over and over. That's where Michael Pittman Jr. just keeps on getting eight catches after eight catches. Rick, what about you? What is your favorite like? It's on in the middle of the day on a weekend on a Saturday, but you got to stop and watch at least for a little bit. Few good men. A few good men. Best dialogue. Best last 20 minute dialogue by. (laughs) <laughs> by Nicholson and Cruz in history of uh, of mankind, to be honest with you. It was just absolutely awesome. And you got to love Pittman. Pittman brings the toolbox. He goes to work. He does the blue-collar stuff. Like I said, he is probably a Hall of Fame tight end. And I, you got to take this the right way. I mean this totally complimentary in a wide receiver's number. This is a guy with number four in the league with catches, but number 94 on on yards after the you know yards per catch Mm -hmm. but if you look at it that is right in the middle of all the great tight ends and what shane has done a great job is he's now really learned and this is why i think we're just going to get better and better which we saw with pierce but he has he has really learned how to use Pittman inside the numbers and and Pittman is just a star in there and the more motion and bunches where they get in pre-access in there because he's big he's got that you know he's got he's got length and he's got toughness between the numbers. You can't, you just can't, you can't put a, a measure on that. And he's so reliable. And he, on that walk-off red zone, you know me, I was begging for it. Please get Pittman the ball in the red zone. And that was the walk-off. We did it when we needed it. I don't think Pittman ordered the code red, though, Rick. 
You know, no, I don't think he did you that. You know who he reminds me of? You use <laughs> you use Reggie in a different context before. Yeah. Uh, from a coaching context, but what Tidman reminds me is Reggie in the second half of his career. Reggie in the beginning of his career was a tremendous outside receiver, but in the second half of his career, he became a tremendous inside receiver. That's why I think he's a Hall of Famer because I I think he made a transition mm-hmm. and did both things. And he, what Pittman reminds me more of Reggie in the second half of his career when it was all about route running and quickness and toughness and, you know, catching in close quarters and all that stuff. All right, that, I like it. That's a fun way to look at the Colts game from Sunday and with five games left with some movie titles and some movie themes here on Colts Roundtable Live, which is also brought to you by McDonald's. When the Colts score, so do you. You can buy one Big Mac and get another one free when the Colts score a field goal only in the McDonald's app. Uh, Matt Gay had four of those yesterday. Also, Colts Roundtable Live is brought to you by Caesars. Enter for the People Sweepstakes, presented by Caesars Sportsbook with Caesars Rewards for your chance to win a Peyton Manning autographed item and a $250 gift card to Jack Binion Steak at Horseshoe Indianapolis Racing and Casino. Visit Colts.com slash Caesars for more information on that. Must be 21 or older to enter. All right, time for a quick timeout here on Colts Roundtable Live. The mailbag is coming up next. We'll take the best ones and your uh, best questions. Get those in on X, hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll do that when we come back on the other side. Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights are coming back. I'm Matt Taylor. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Thanks for coming back tonight on Colts Roundtable Live, presented by Citizens Energy Group, proud to be the Colts conservation partner. You can find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Matt Taylor here, Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights with you until 7 o'clock tonight leading up to Pacer pregame. And once again, tonight's show is brought to you by McDonald's, where field goals equal deal goals. Buy one Big Mac and get another one free when the Colts make a field goal during any game this season only in the app. Also, help Hoosiers in need uh, this holiday season. Make it a holiday to remember. The Christmas experience provides meals, clothes, gifts, and services to our community. Join CBS4 and donate at empoweringindy.org slash give. All right, it's time for the mailbag. Get them in using hashtag Colts Roundtable for those questions. Uh, let's go to Bobby. He's up first tonight. Uh, Joe, why do we seem to have the mental fortitude to win close games this year compared to last year? It's been a complete 180, Matt, and that's the thing I'm most excited about this team is just that attitude and that culture and that belief of winning football and no matter what happens, we're going to win the game. And I think Shane has brought that. I think the leaders of this team have brought that. I think the swagger and attitude of our quarterback has brought that. When you're playing with a quarterback and and he's just got kind of that vibe that Minshew does, you just always feel like you're going to win the game. And that's how I felt when 18 was here. That's how I felt when 12 was here. That's how I felt watching when Phillip Rivers was here. But when Phillip Rivers walked out of that locker room, I felt like the culture and the belief of just tough winning football no matter what kind of left. And uh, I really feel like we got it back now. And that's what makes me most excited because at the end of the day, your organization, your building has got to have a culture that's about winning football and belief and accountability and toughness and all of those things. 
And that's what that's what separates, you know, the, the winners and losers in the NFL. And I really feel like we got that back. And that's what fires me up here down the stretch as we mm-hmm. legit head into what's going to be a playoff run with this Colts team. Yeah, five games to go. The Colts have everything in front of them there. Again, that's Joe Wright. All right, let's go to Rick Venturi. I know you guys talked about this earlier on in the show. Uh, Shane Steichen talked about it on segment number one, Rick. But uh, Nick is asking, what gave us so much trouble in the red zone on Sunday, prior to the Colts had been so good. I think going into that game, Rick, the Colts had scored 10 out of 15 trips in the red zone. Yep. But just, I think in two games against Tennessee this year, the Colts were combined two for 10, scoring touchdowns inside the 20-yard line. Yeah, we knew this was going to be a challenge. We were eight going in, but they were number four. I mean, of all the things that they did, they did that best. And it was kind of a carryover plan uh, to the rest of the game plan. I mean, they were going to stop Moss. They were going to stop the run up front. That was not – they weren't going to have a repeat of that first ball game. Then they were going to close off the edges, which people haven't been doing with Minchu, and then play a real tough, aggressive man-to-man and blitz uh, if they needed to to stop us. And they were really – they were successful. I mean, it took us 68 minutes. It took us five shots to finally get a touchdown – I did think, and, and, and you know, it's, I guess it's a semi-criticism, I did think that Shane was uncharacteristically conservative in the red zone. He had three different series where it was run, run, pass. And, you know, basically they had that stop. They, they had, and Joe alluded to it early, they, they dominated our front on the running game and they didn't let Moss get going. And then they did a good job. The one time that we tried to get Minshew out there on a zone read option pass, they had it all covered. They had him stop. They had him stop on the edge. And then in one series, they blitzed off both edges. Mm-hmm. And that was that was in the fourth quarter, I think, and, and basically killed us and forced a field goal. So they, they did a real good job. I, I think the thing that I would like to see us more, and we finally did it, it was finally the walk-off, is I think, and I think we're doing the right thing. We're, we're normally very creative down there with Wildcat, with our best runs, um, using Minshew on the edge. But I, I think the guy that we really have to involve there is Pittman. I, I just think that Pittman can go get 50-50 balls. He can go inside. And actually, the touchdown was really a great design. You know, we got out there in a slot, and on first down we threw a double slant, and they stopped it to Pierce. And then we came back, and Pittman at the slot went out like he was going to pick for Pierce coming under. And as he set that up, then he turned and pivoted and ran to the post and just lost them, which was another very creative play by there. But, I mean, you know, we had our hands full. They're just they're just really, really good. And basically they took away what we did best down there. But mm-hmm. finally we got it to Pittman when the game was on the line and won it. All right, that's the mailbag segment tonight. Rick Venturi, Joe Wright, Sign Matt Taylor. When we come back, we'll close out the show and preview week 14, middle of December. The Cincinnati Bengals are up next. The Bengals are on Monday night football tonight against the Jaguars. But we'll talk about what they look like going into uh, the next upcoming game for the Colts in Cincinnati next Sunday. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in just a moment, closing it out here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. We are back for the final time. A few minutes left here on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. 
Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And tonight's show is also brought to you by Meyer, of course, the official super center of the Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. Pacer pregame coming up in just a moment, but it's now time for the closing arguments from Rick Venturi and Joe Wright, their final thoughts on the Week 13 win over the Titans. And, and Joe, four in a row. I mean, the Colts are now 7-5. and five. Um, They're winning in dramatic ways, but wins are wins. And, and what tells you that this winning streak can continue for the Colts getting ready for another road test in Cincinnati next Sunday? Well, I think the Colts are playing well, and I think Joe Burrow ain't playing for the Bengals. And, you know, we mm -hmm. mentioned Reggie earlier, so one of my favorite quotes from Reg was, keep the losers losing. The Bengals play the Jags here in a couple hours. It's going to be on a short week. They're most likely going to lose their fourth in a row tonight in Jacksonville. So they're struggling in there, and, and we cannot give them any belief next Sunday. Go in there, pour it on them early against Jake Browning, and let them know that we're for real. And, you know, they're, they're packing in and feeling sorry for themselves and licking their wounds. So, But, Coach, I know you got the tape queued up on the Bengals. What are they like without Burrow now? Well, honestly, and I don't know that it's just the Burrow factor, but they've gone from an elite, elite team in January – to a team that's fighting for relevance. I mean, and I'll just give you two statistics because we're, you know, we've got to shut it down. But they're 27th in offense. Browning may be better with a week under his belt. We'll see tonight. You know, but he's very little used. And this is what's staggering. They're number 31 in total defense. This was a team that was number six in January in points given up. And it's almost mind-boggling to me. Um, you know, the demise of the Bengals. But they'll be ready, and they'll be ready at home. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it'll be a – what is that, Interstate 74? Interstate I-74. 74. Yeah, right down to the Queen City on the banks of the Ohio to Paycor Stadium down there. All right, that's all the time we've got tonight. Rick and Joe, fantastic job per usual on a Monday night. My thanks as well to head coach Shane Steichen. He joined in the first segment. If you miss any of tonight's festivities, Shane Steichen, Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, it's all available for you here shortly. Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network will have it anywhere you download your podcast. And we'll have more on the Colts and the Bengals all week long. And, of course, we'll be back next Monday recapping all the action. But Pacer pregame is next. The Pacers take on the Celtics tonight at the Fieldhouse. The in-season tournament in the NBA is next. Thanks for listening to Colts Roundtable Live. I'm Matt Taylor here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.